I've loved watching Jordan Peterson over the years, and we often think that in order to command respect, we must be bullies. But Jordan Peterson shows us a different way. The person that's more relatable, the one that can articulate not only their own position, but also the positions of their adversaries, and also be able to make friends in the process, that is the person that attracts respect. And this is something that we want to go through today as we look at various clips of Jordan Peterson, and we'll go through the four psychological tricks or the tactics which help people take you more seriously and also give you more respect in your conversation and your work with them. Let's take a look. You should always look for information that contradicts your current viewpoint. Now, that's painful, right? Because who wants their axioms contradicted? It can take you apart. But it's the only way that you can ensure that you're learning at the same time that you're maintaining your stability. And that's another reason why it's really necessary to engage in dialogue with people that you do not agree with, because they're the ones who will tell you things that you don't know. It's cru- It's of crucial importance in the maintenance of your own stability. One of the worst things that can happen is that you find yourself in a situation where no one is offering you corrective feedback anymore. Because you rely on the corrective feedback provided by other people to keep yourself sane, to keep moving in the ever-changing environment. And if you cut yourself off from that feedback, then, well, then you end up static and shrinking. It's really, it's really not good. This first tactic that Jordan uses is this concept known as pacing your reality of trying to be able to not only relate to the other person, but also seeing some of their points in advance and you being the first to articulate their points. In the clip, you saw him go out of his way and reinforce one of the points that he assume that the counterparty would make in advance of the counterparty making that point and be able to give a little bit of credence there. Whenever you give a little bit of goodwill to the other side, it helps the other side have an opportunity to reciprocate and be able to bring down their guard. And so we had to focus on this not as a battle, not in a fight, not necessarily as them being the adversary, as I previously articulated, but that they are a, another player in a two-person game where we have to make it fair, right? If you come out of the gate arguing and yelling, the other person will not want to play. And you need someone to play. You need someone that wants to interact. You have to be a worthy opponent for your counterparty in the conversation or the debate. And so you have to assent to something that the other side says and give them some credence. And so Jordan Peterson will offer this in the scope of religion of seeing from the other side, you know, he as a as a religious person, although he hasn't really articulated what his religion is, and to date he will see the side of the atheist. Or from the side of the conservative, he will see the side of the liberal, what they're thinking. He will give them credence. It's, it's great that you think about other people. It's great that you want to be able to use the resources of the society to benefit all, especially the impoverished. That's one type of comment that he will often say, and then he'll go into his points. The second thing that you'll see Jordan Peterson do is tell a large number of stories. Stories where people are given the freedom to be able to relate. And you have really two different types of stories. One of opportunity and the idea of the third party reference, a a person of respect or a third party resource that can be a dignified reference. Or the second type, which is a personal story. The personal stories are really used to to let your own guard down. This This is a secondary step in ascending to one point of the adversary's position and 
giving them credence on one element of what their potential rebuttal could be. And so by giving a personal story, you give this idea that you are vulnerable, that you have struggled with the specific thing or the specific instance, the specific fight, and you've overcome it or you've thought about it in a specific way. And so this personal story is really something that Jordan Peterson does a great job with. And this is one trick you can use, one tactic you can use in order to address a potential confrontational subject. I've talked to my daughter a lot about this. My daughter runs my companies. My daughter didn't know much about business when she started, and she was pretty sick, too, and she didn't know a lot. And so it was easy for people who thought they knew a lot about business to pull the wool over her eyes. But Michaela has the ability to ask stupid questions, and we've talked about that a lot. It's like you only have to ask a stupid question once if you're alert. You ask a stupid question, and if you're in a crowd and you ask a stupid question, 80% of the people in the crowd have the same question. They're just too cowardly to ask. But you ask and then someone actually tells you. You never have to ask that question again. You're no longer stupid. So if you ask enough stupid questions because you're honest, well, then you're not stupid anymore. And tactic number two has to do with this ability to be able to tell a personal story. This personal story is something that attaches a lesson to an individual within the conversation. So it personalizes the conversation in a way that allows Jordan Peterson, for instance, to be able to move one step closer towards the person and to get that person to let their guard down. Because the idea, again, is not to beat someone in a confrontation. This is not a true confrontation. This is an intellectual conversation but to get them to potentially assent or better understand your perspective. Very rarely is someone fully de-armed in a initial or a primary conversation. You don't go in trying to defeat people. You go in trying to have a conversation with people, realizing it's a back-and-forth game. It is a, is a two-party conversation, which may last for days or weeks or months or even years, and it may or may not come to a conclusion. So this is a game, and the best way for the game to be relational is to tell a personal story, a personal antidote, and attach that personal story to the actual point you're trying to make for your own case. I was thinking when you were talking about no plan B, I thought, oh, yes, well, that's marriage, you know, because the great psychologist Carl Jung, he thought, well, marriage has to be an unbreakable vow. Why? Because you have to be in 110%. And if you have a backup plan, which is, well, if this doesn't work out, I can always find someone else. It's like when adversity comes, which it will, because you're bound together with this person for life and life is adversity. Then if you have these lurking, this lurking way out, you're not going to do the work necessary to struggle through what you have to struggle through to continue to forge the relationship with your wife. And what you'll notice about Jordan Peterson here, this is tactic number three that you can use a psychological trick whenever you get into a confrontational conversation is that you bargain from a position of authority. Now, authority presents itself in a number of different manners. The first way that authority presents itself is through a reference. Ideally, an author or a trusted doctor, a psychologist, you'll notice that Jordan Peterson often uses Carl or he uses Dostoevsky from the literary world, or he might use someone like a Plato or Socrates, or he may even go into another area and use someone like a Roger Penrose from mathematics as a primary source. You bargain from a position of authority and use that. You don't just spout out facts or hearsay. You always cite a specific fact or a specific figure and make that person attack that person that has the actual credibility and attack that idea. And 90% of the time, that 
person that you're having a conversation with will not have an in-depth knowledge about the resource or the credible person that you're citing in order to rebut that. And so the statement then has to stand. And that statement is one building block into your elongated argument. And so you always bargain from a position of authority. The other aspect of looking at this position of authority is the person, your perspective and your internal integrity. Jordan Peterson has an immense amount of integrity. He stood up against the overlords at his college and actually got removed. He's now standing up against the overlords in the Canadian Medical Society who want to give him social media classes, although he has got a greater following, he's more adept at social media than all of them combined. He has this ability to be the source of authority and a broad spectrum of thought systems. And so in order to do that, you must live a life of integrity and not kowtowing to people that are potential threats to you. So you can never, never back down. In fact, not backing down, not fearing people that are in the wrong. That is one of the central definitions of being a person of integrity. A lie is when you know Know that what you're saying is not true and you say it anyways. That's a lie. And, and it's a lie that you've decided yourself on the basis of your own knowledge. That's a lie. You've decided that. That's your own moral judgment. And so I rewrote the rule to suggest that it's not a good idea to say things that you know not to be true. And if you can't trust yourself because you've filled yourself up with nonsense, then you'll make the wrong decision. And then, hey, maybe you'll pay for it for the rest of your life. And, and maybe you'll deserve to as well. And tactic number four that you see Jordan Peterson using as a psychological trick in his conversations is that always speak the truth. No matter what the outcomes, continue speaking the truth. Whenever you lie, you have to keep track of the lies. And keeping track of lies in multiple conversations with different people, it burns up your mental energy. It's not a very efficient way of living, and it especially is not a very integrity-laden way of living. It's, it's actually the, the way of chaos is, is to speak lies. And so this is why we always speak truth, that we want to be guided by the truth. We want to be guided by the higher principles, the godly principles, the principles that are of the, the traditions of the Stoics and the, the great philosophers. We all always live by truth. We always live in truth and we always work in the way of truth. And so we always must speak with truth and never fear the outcomes. And the never fear the outcomes is maybe the second important thing of this is that, yes, you live by truth, you speak truth, but you must be willing to live with the outcomes of you speaking the truth. And that gets to the idea of not fearing the speaking of truth, that you can never fear that speaking the truth is the wrong way, that the easy way is always speaking the truth. Now, not in the short term, the long term, the easy way is speaking the truth. But in the short term, the short-minded person, these are the sorts of people that use lies. And so it's primarily because they fear what people would think of them if other people knew the truth. They fear what the consequences may be. But the man or the woman of integrity must not fear the retribution, must not fear the consequences, must not fear the rebuttal or what other people might think of them. The man or the woman of integrity always speaks with truth because they are fearless to the outcomes. They're dedicated to the truth and not to try to manipulate the outcomes. And this fourth psychological trick is something that is priceless. As you grow your leadership, you grow your organization, you grow your families, you grow your life, that you must be attached to the truth and be committed to the truth no matter what, no matter the consequences, no matter the gravity or the graveness of the situation. So hopefully these four tricks have helped you see how Jordan Peterson uses communication to get through. And if you want to 
get a better idea about how he uses this, I encourage you to watch some of his videos on chaos and order, this union psychology about how the world works, the yin and yang, the great battle between good and evil, how those work. And it's always optimal to set forth in yourself and for your life a framework where everything plugs in. And Jordan Peterson has done a great job for this. And this, it would be a bonus tip for you is that think about a centralized framework for your life and get everything else to plug into that. Something that's broad enough to contain not only work and personal life, but it's broad enough to contain mathematics and science and religion and literature and philosophy, something that's bigger than all those things. And once you have that, you have a centralized source of truth, a centralized source of purpose and directionality that help you be fearless and help you garner the integrity, garner the respect that you long for. Maybe not in the way of a person that seeks power, but the person that seeks purpose, that person will be satisfied in the end by having directionality to their life and to their purpose. 